How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Tuesday, May 19th, and we're about to reach that annual abyss where the Chicago Bears news it becomes, well, rather scarce until training camp. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm very glad that you decided to join us for today's episode as we're going to be recapping and ranking the Chicago Bears' 10 best offseason moves here in 2020. So to help me sort, organize, and discuss these moves is my trusty co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, we took a week off last week. Felt pretty good to just take a breather for a while, recalibrate as we gear up for our summer series of Countdown to Camp. More information on that later. But how have you been, Nick? I've been doing well, Will, uh, as well as I can be during this quarantine. But the last dance just ended, so now I don't know what I'm going to do with my Sundays. Did you get a chance to watch that yet? I got through the first episode, and the six-year-old wanted to watch it with me, and... You watch the first one and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I can really have him sit there throughout the whole thing. So I let them all record. They're all sitting on my DVR and I'm just going to wait for a couple of rainy days where I don't have a ton of work and I'm going to knock them out. But really like the first one. But how did it end up? Don't don't spoil it. I don't want to know. No, yeah, I won't give any spoilers, but it is just one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And maybe a little bit of bias being a Bulls fan and being Michael Jordan, but it was much needed, especially with no sports going on, and you're definitely going to enjoy it, that's for sure. Well, I can't wait for that, but also I can't wait to kind of get through this episode. So again, this week, this week's episode, it's all about ranking and recapping the Bears' best moves to date. And since I always strive to be transparent, here is how Nick and I created our rankings. First of all, we made a list of every single one of the Bears' moves. This is every player that's been cut, every coach that's been fired, any player they let walk, re-signed, uh, any of the new free agents, any of the trades, and of course, any of the new hires for coaches as well. Any move that the Bears have made since, uh, honestly, the end of December, the beginning of January through now, were included. Then we individually ranked these moves from best to worst. Afterward, we averaged each of our rankings, and then we just took our collective top 10. So in our top 10, there are ones that I think, well, I was going to say each of us have some that weren't in our collective top 10. I have some that are outside that made it in. But Nick, I do believe you had every single one of your top 10 make the top 10, which is pretty weird. I don't know. Did you manipulate the numbers behind the scenes? I didn't even know how you did that on Excel over there. So I was like, how did you even average it? But it worked out. I didn't do anything. I just... I don't know. I just had a good feeling about these moves. 
All right. Well, Nick, are you ready to just kind of begin and unveil our rankings? We're going to go 10 all the way down to one. Of course, that is what a countdown is, but just making sure that everyone's understanding how we're going to go about this. But you ready just to kick it off and get going? Let's do it. All right. So we have move number 10, and that was the signing of Tayshawn Gibson. Obviously, Nick, we've talked about this one in our previous episode, but Gibson, he's an established veteran who may end up even being an upgrade over HaHa Clinton Dix. And he's on a super team friendly deal coming here on the veteran minimum, as well as signing after the point where he won't even count toward comp picks for next year. Now, obviously, that's just a super high level view there of Gibson. But why did this move make your top 10? Yeah, so when you look at it, especially when it happened, this was one of the later moves that Ryan Pace was able to make to get a quality starter at the strong safety position and tag him alongside Eddie Jackson. And you look at Deshaun Gibson, in his eight-year career, he has 23 career interceptions. So this is a guy that's not just someone who's just going to go and fill the position. He has played well over the course of his career. And he also has familiarity with Buster Screen, who I think he labeled as one of his best friends. And when you have that chemistry, that continuity in the secondary, that can only result to hopefully more turnovers in the 2020 season. But I think what Ryan Pace did is he assessed what was available in the draft and also in free agency. He had Deion Bush, who... How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it like everyone knows that I like, but he knew he can make an upgrade on a one year, one year deal for it to Sean Gibson and get a quality starter. So it's probably one of those underrated moves that you look at just on the scope of things, one year deal to Sean Gibson. But by the end of 2020, we'll be saying what a move by Ryan pace, because you get a quality starter to put on a already a defense that has a bunch of play playmakers, but you're just adding another one that's proven himself in the league already. Yeah, Gibson, he was on my list. Again, I know we're doing a collective, but on my list, he was my eighth best move. I thought this one, like you mentioned, for all the reasons you said, it's a quality move. And on top of that, you mentioned his ball mentality, his ball production, those 23 career interceptions. Gibson, I love how he's versatile. I know he's played primarily as a free safety, but like we talked about in the previous episode, uh, he's mentioned that he can play both box and free. He's just been playing more alongside box safeties, but he believes he has the skill set and the mindset to really play either end which really I know we want more Eddie Jackson playing that free safety center field role but this does allow Pagano to have the flexibility to utilize both safeties to the defensive advantage this could be on a down by game basis and on top of that too low risk ultra high reward again this one is one that the Bears didn't overpay uh, again super team friendly deal but if this pans out if this is a home run this is going to help the back end of this defense tremendously compared to just a year ago. And Gibson, I know he's been around the league. He's been on a, quite a few teams and some may see that as a negative. And obviously that's never ideal for anyone's even career. But what it proves to me is that he's able to play in different defenses or schemes and 
I know this is a different type of offseason compared to years past where you don't have the mini camp and all the OTA workouts, but having a guy like Gibson who's been able to prove himself no matter where he's gone, I trust that he can pick up this defense in Chicago without a problem. Anything else on Gibson that you wanted to bring up here, Nick? Yeah, and I know I called him a strong safety, and that's kind of ideally the position he's going to play. But really what the Bears have done in last year and this year, looks like they're just going to implement two free safeties. So I think what you're going to see is two guys that have that range in the back end. And what you really want Eddie Jackson doing, because he has a ton to Sean Gibson now, just playing that robber position. That was the word I couldn't find on the last podcast. It just... I don't know, just forgot about it. But that's what you want these guys to be able to do, just to kind of go underneath routes, pick off passes. And you could do that with these two free-ranging safeties. But, again, it's a good move and one that we obviously liked. For sure. Uh, obviously hit our top 10, so it was one of the better moves this off season. But that's going to do it for number 10. Let's go ahead and jump right into number 9, which is going to be the signing of Jimmy Graham. To be honest, I'm shocked this made our top 10. I had him ranked at 13th on my list. So Nick, why should he be in the top 10? Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at the move itself with the money that was given to Jimmy Graham, two years, 16 million with 9 million guaranteed, you're like, this is not obviously something that you want for a 33 year old tight end with his best days behind him. But then you see Trey Burton's release. You see what's behind uh, the, the tight end group. There are a lot of unproven players. So you needed somebody that at least will be available For the most part in Jimmy Graham's career, he's been available in all 16 games for the last four seasons. So that is something that the Bears couldn't say that they had on this tight end on the roster at tight end for the past couple of seasons. So that's why you're hoping that Jimmy Graham can at least be that you tight end, the move tight end, the one that's going to go down the middle of the field and make catches. And that's why it's an important move, because we know how much the tight end position means to Matt Nagy's offense. Look, I don't agree with the money. I don't necessarily agree with the player, but I see why the Bears had to do it because of what they didn't have at the position. And that was really reliability from the other guys. And obviously releasing Trey Burton, you need to bring in somebody. So that's why I think it's an important move for the Bears offense. Yeah, Trey Burton's missed more games in his short time in Chicago that Jimmy Graham has missed in his entire career. I believe, if I remember correctly, Graham's missed seven games in his 10 season. So durability and just availability are really two of Graham's biggest assets here. And Nick, I want to know, on the field, do you think... Obviously, Trey Burton, we had he had one good year here in Chicago and almost feels like a lifetime ago, but is Graham an upgrade over Burton's skill set? And I, uh, we talked about the durability, but in terms of just skill set, is he an upgrade? That's a good question, Will. Just at it, this stage of his career, Jimmy Graham, I just don't know what we're actually going to see out of him, even if he does get more, more reps, more availability in this offense that he did in Green Bay the past two seasons. So... It's interesting. It's an interesting question. I'm going to probably say he won't get the numbers that Trey Byrne got in 2018. And that's not to say that Jimmy Graham is bad, but maybe the ball just kind of gets distributed between him and Cole Komet. Um, So then you're getting, getting two for one here to compensate for the tight end position. But I think Jimmy Graham is going to like being in this offense because he will see the ball come his way, which wasn't the case, uh, even though he had Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. 
Uh, obviously, he was outside my top 10, so I'm having a hard time drawing in all the positives to make it a top 10 move. But, I mean, I still look at it as an overspend. Uh, you mentioned that as well. There's a lot of dead money next season, too, on top of his already hefty contract. And I think his best football is obviously behind him. But when you look at all the, you know, like you've mentioned, all those other positives, okay. Uh, and the, the other one I have, too, that we mentioned on the uh, our reaction show that I found in my notes was that he is a red zone threat. He had 17 red zone touchdowns over the last three seasons. It was just a couple of years ago, 2017, where he did lead all tight ends in red zone touchdowns. And over his career, he catches over 50% of his red zone targets so far whoever's playing quarterback for the Bears, they're going to have a really big, durable, consistent, effective, and proven red zone target, which you can't have too many of those on any one football team. So I'll add red zone uh, prowess as another reason why Jimmy Graham's going to make our top 10 here in 2020. Anything else? Are we good to move on to number eight? Let's go on to number eight, Will. All right, so moving on to the eighth best move of the offseason for the Chicago Bears, we have the Bears re-signing Danny Trevathan. And for me, this was a great move. He was sixth on my list overall. And the reason why this one, to me, is so impactful, of course, it keeps the Roquan-Danny Trevathan duo intact, which really has been the heart of this defense for the past two seasons. Uh, It leads to a strong sense of stability on defense, which is very important. Trevathan, he's been the leader of this defense. Uh, He's been here for the entirety of its rebuild, honestly. He's been here since 2016, and that continues to remain true now with his time as a bear continuing to extend here into the future Uh, in terms of that salary it's still very low in terms of the base salary and the overall cap hit for each year on the deal and the only reason why this isn't even ranked higher nick i think if he was just like trey burton just a little bit more durable a little bit more consistent of his availability this one would have probably been a top five move for the chicago bears because he is a great linebacker when he's healthy when he's on the field it's just those availability concerns that always continue to loom large when it comes to danny trevathan but when you look at the options that the bears had uh, trevathan or kwitkowski i think Danny's the better linebacker, and the Bears got a pretty good deal. So that's why it's making our top 10. What did you want to bring to the table when it comes to re-signing Danny Trevathan? Yeah, so the Bears really had an ultimatum. Was it going to be they re-signed Danny Trevathan at 30 years old or re-signed Nick Kwiatkowski at 26 years old? Obviously, they went with Danny Trevathan. I think one of the big things that maybe gets overlooked when you're assessing a player and what they bring to a team is that leadership that you talked about, Will? I mean, that can't be overlooked when assessing a football player's strengths because you look at that Bears defense, yes, you have Khalil Mack, you have Akeem Hicks, but Danny Trevathan, he's the glue that kind of sticks all those guys together, why they're able to play so great. And when he left that game against the se- or the first game against Detroit, they lost that sense of that leadership. People had to step up, but now you get that back because you re-signed Danny Trevathan, and you mentioned it, Will. It is the health that why we probably don't have this higher on our, our list of top 10 moves for the Bears this offseason, but if Dan, it's a big if. It really is because Danny Trevathan has only had one full season healthy where he's played all 16 games, and that was 2018, but if Danny Trevathan is healthy, you tag him along with Roquan Smith, you have two inside linebackers where it's hard to run against. And, of course, in pass coverage, these two guys are better, uh, some of the better linebackers in the league at doing so. So I think it was just a big move to really keep the continuity 
of the mid- interior middle of that defense set for the 2020 season. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how Dane Trevathan kind of comes back from his injury. Because I think when you look at it, it was kind of a freak injury. It looked like it would have been a normal routine kind of tackle, but his arm gets stuck in the grass there. And it's a, it's a nasty injury. But I think it was a really good move just to keep the core of that defense the same for the 2020 season and hopefully years past. Absolutely. I mean, he's been a blessing here in Chicago. Just that availability. That How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Durability that, and I know that last one was a freak accident, but when someone has the injury history that Trevathan has, it's always going to be, uh, he's a player that every time he makes a tackle, I'm holding my breath because you just never know if it's going to be, honestly, his last one of the season. So hopefully uh, he's healthy here throughout 2020 because if he is, this defense I mean, it's already scary, but Danny Trevathan just always makes it a little bit scarier uh, right there in the heart of the defense. But let's go ahead and move on to number seven, and that's going to be the Bears drafting tight end Cole Komet here with their first draft pick of 2020. Now, he was ranked ninth on my Nick, I think you had him a little bit higher, so I'd like you to kind of begin and uh, explain why this was a good move for the Bears and one of the better ones that they made. Yeah, I had to look at my list to see where I had him. So I had the, had, had uh, drafting Cole Komet as number five here. And I think why this is such an important move for the Bears and Matt Nagy is because of what Matt Nagy really wants from his offense. The Bears need a wide tight end, and they determined, the Bears, that Cole Komet was the best one out of the out of the draft class. So they took him at 43, but they just need a playmaker at that position. Nobody on this roster before they drafted Cole Komet could fill that position ideally. You can't rely on Adam Shaheen. There's a good chance that he will be cut at some point during training camp. So there really isn't a true why. And we know that probably Matt Nagy's offense had to do some adjusting throughout the course of the 2019 season because you couldn't rely on Adam Shaheen. You couldn't put that those 12 personnel packages because you couldn't have a reliable tight end on the field that you can count on and that was even available in the first place. But I look at this even further than that, is this just being a long-term answer at the position? The Bears were hoping that was Adam Shaheen in 2017 when they took him in the second round. But this time, we're hoping, we're all hoping here, that this is a long-term answer at fixing the wide position because we saw what Travis Kelsey has been able to do. We see what these tight ends that are in this Andy Reid kind of offense, this schematic offense, they just, they're very fundamental in really opening up other things for the other playmakers. So it's a lot to ask of Cole Komet, and he probably won't be able to do all that, obviously, in his rookie season. But when you look long-term, Matt Nagy hopefully has a guy that he can rely on that will be productive and just open up other guys in the pro- in the same kind of process there. But that's why I thought this was such an important move. Now we just got to see if Cole Komet is up for the challenge now. Precisely. I mean, you hit it really on the head because if 
this was a position that historically you saw a little bit more of that return on investment uh, out of rookies. It probably would have been higher in each of our lists, but historically rookie tight ends, they struggle. Uh, Komet, he is also still learning the nuances of the position, so he may not break out right away. This move really is for the future, but it is a strong move at that. Like you said, he has... Uh, really the potential to be that long-term answer at the position. He's someone with that size at six foot six, 262. Combine that with his athleticism and that huge catch radius. Um, you just get excited about everything he brings to the table from that standpoint. He can stretch the seam. And like you said, it gives the Bears all of the ammunition that they need if, if I don't think they need it anymore, but if they did, to finally let Adam Shaheen go. And on top of all these reasons and everything you said, Nick, a hometown kid. He gets to play on his favorite team, his Chicago Bears. You still have to love that story, and I'm going to love watching this one unfold. But Cole Komet, he's that wide tight end, the long-term answer there. He should be someone who's going to be in this offense for a long time coming. And when I know people at the moment were hoping they didn't see the value there at 43. But again, if you flip this one and another draft pick, I don't think you would have had nearly as many complaints. And you get someone at one of the biggest areas of need on the team who can really sure it up today and tomorrow. And that's really why Cole Komet was such a great signing and draft pick for the Chicago Bears. All right, moving on over to number six, we have the Bears signing Jermaine Effetti. And obviously, with Kyle Long's departure in January, it left a huge void right there in the front of this Bears offense. And there's no one in-house in terms of the options that they had available. Even Alex Bars that had either of us, Nick, having a ton of confidence that they can step in and play to the same level. And I know Effetti, he struggled in Seattle, but his best year came when he played right guard. And new offensive line coach Juan Castillo, he's mentioned he's a big fan of Effetti, this offensive lineman. And that confidence from the coach really should be good news for Effetti, who, A, he was very raw coming into the NFL, and he still has all those physical gifts that you would want. He just needs to put it all together. And I think here in Chicago, he has an opportunity for that light bulb to go off. And on top of that, too, uh, like Gibson, Effetti is another potential high-reward signing, albeit just with a little bit more risk. Maybe not financially, though. Uh, he is on a one-year 1.047, that's precise, million-dollar deal. And that's the same. I was looking at some other contracts that were signed that Eric Cush got. Uh, he was at the Cleveland Browns last year, but in the Bears a couple years ago. Uh, he's a 30-year journeyman. He got that same contract, one year, same amount of money, from the Raiders. But Effetti, he's four years younger, and he also has four years of true starting experience for the same team. He's only 26 years old, which would make him the second youngest starter up front for the Bears, despite having four years of starting feel, uh, starting experience here. So for me, uh, when you look at Effetti, he's young. He has talent, raw talent. And then with the coach here in Juan Castillo, Hopefully the light bulb clicks and he could end up being a long-term answer. I know it's a one-year prove-it deal, but Ryan Pace hits on these prove-it deals sometimes. And this one, if it's a home run, it could be a big one for the Bears because he's still young, he's raw, he's talented. I know he struggled, but there's still a lot of potential there for Fetty to really break out. Uh, he was seventh on my list coming in here at six. Felt pretty right for me. How about you? Uh, what are your thoughts here on Jermaine Effetti? Yeah, so I just had him one spot higher than you, Will, at number six for me. But it's an important move for the Bears because Effetti could be the starting right guard come week one unless Rashad Coward is the guy or somehow, some way, 
The Bears sign free agent Larry Warford. He could be the starting right guard. So you, Juan Castillo is expecting a lot out of him. The Bears feel confident in him being able to make that transition from tackle to guard. And he has had some starting experience at guard, those 14 games played. But the big thing with Jermaine Effetti, can he reduce the number of penalties? And he, he was like a 30, he was a 31st overall pick in 2016, but he led the league in penalties in 2017 with 16. He reduced that to 10 in 2018. And then 2012 had 12. So the big thing is that hoping the, the transition from guard to tackle hopefully reduces those number of penalties because he's not going to be asked to be on an island guarding a top edge rusher anymore. He'll have some help on the inside, but it's just an important move overall because he could be the starter week one. And you talked about it, Will. Ryan Pace is given these one-year contracts, these prove-it deals. There have been players in the past that have been able to make the most out of those one-year prove-it deals. Prince of Mukumar is the one that comes to mind that really was able to do some good things here in Chicago. Maybe Jermaine Effetti is that next guy, but you need to solidify that right guard position. And it looks like Jermaine Effetti and possibly Rashad Coward are going to be the guys kind of going at it for that position. But because the Bears didn't draft anybody high in the draft, they obviously have confidence that maybe Jermaine Effetti could be that guy come week one. Exactly. And we talked about this is a team-friendly deal, very minimal money. And with the Bears team that at the time had a lot of holes to fill and not a lot of money to spend, if they would have went elsewhere to one of the bigger names at the position in the free agency market, we wouldn't have maybe half of the other guys that we've already discussed so far on this list. So for me, obviously bringing in someone for dirt cheap with that long-term uh, potential, again, I know he struggled, but he does have the potential, uh, especially with the correct coaching and being in a more proper position that suits his skill set. It just seems like a really good move for the Bears, and that's why he is here at number six. All right, Nick, I know that makes us officially halfway through our list, and I know you and I have been talking uh, throughout this week, and you have something a little bit new and perhaps exciting that you wanted to share with our listeners as we kind of move forward in our future here of the podcast as well. Yeah, so here's what we've been thinking, Will. I mean, for, for me and I'm sure a lot of people, it's always cool hearing hearing your name on a radio station or a podcast. So we thought it would be a great idea if all of our listeners can have that same opportunity to hear their name on our podcast. So for $5, Will and I will give you a shout out on the podcast. When we ask for this $5, $5 donation really, because a lot of what we do kind of comes from in pocket. Um, Will and I just recently bought new mics over what, $150 each. These headphones that you see me wearing right now, that's uh, something that we want to invest in. And we do that because we want our product to be as professional as possible and make sure each podcast really holds up to that standard. So obviously we take this very seriously. So, when we're traveling to Indianapolis to go cover the NFL scouting combine as credential media or going to Mobile, Alabama to cover it as credential media, that's all in pocket. So we're asking for a $5 donation to help us out. And you also get a shout out on the podcast. And so how this will work is through Venmo or PayPal. We want you to give us your name and where you're from, and we'll give you a shout out on the next podcast. And this is where you can find us. So listen up here. This is the most important part. On Venmo, you can look up the username, the Chicago Audible, should see my name and also the Chicago Audible logo so there's no confusion. And then on PayPal, you can make the payment to chicagoaudible.com 
slash PayPal. Look, the Chicago Audible is listened to in 34 different countries in all 50 states. There's 12.1 thousand Twitter followers and over tens of thousands of downloads that happen per month. So your name is going to be heard everywhere, which I think is pretty cool. So if you're able to give a $5 donation, and I know and I know times are tough right now, Will and I, we'd greatly appreciate it. And of course, Will and I appreciate all of you for supporting us throughout the years. We wouldn't be here doing this without any of you guys. But that that kind of concludes this like halftime announcement. We'll just want to, again, share that opportunity. Hopefully we can get some shout outs on the podcast here soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to kind of laugh at this, because we don't usually do announcements like this. But as soon as you started, apparently our stream kind of took a dip and had a buffer and freeze on all the other accounts. So I'm sure it'll catch up here in due time. But you have to love the irony there, Nick. You just really do. I guess so. That Wow, of course it happened. It's like out of all the times, let's do it right now. Exactly. But you are in the flow. I wasn't going to stop you there. You know, it's going to be on the on demand. But I do want to let people know where they can do that just one more time, just in case they missed it. Yeah. So if you want to send a five dollar donation on Venmo, just look up the username, the Chicago Audible, and you'll see my name, Nicholas Moriano, and also the Chicago Audible logo. So, you know, it's the right account. And then on PayPal, you make the payment to chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. You'll also see a Chicago Audible logo there as well, so you know you're at the right account. But that's where you can find us to make a $5 donation, Venmo, and also on PayPal. Yep, chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal or paypal.me slash chicagoaudible. There's a few ways you can get to that one, but if someone's PayPal uh, fluent, I'm sure you can figure that one out. But worst case scenario, Venmo is pretty nice, pretty convenient. So just type in the username and... Like Nick said, we really would appreciate it right now. And on top of that, uh, just due to the entire COVID-19 crisis, as you know, we usually have sponsorships throughout the entirety of the year. It's a little bit more difficult to secure those right now just because uh, some of the main avenues that we kind of work with, uh, in particular uh, ticketing sites, they don't know if there's going to be sports right now. So they're really uh, kind of holding everything uh, close to their chest as we can and near the season. So any little bit that you can help us with really does go a very long way all right nick so we have five more moves to go this is going to be our top five now for the best moves of the 2020 off season and here we go with number five and that's going to be the chicago bears releasing leonard floyd and obviously this is interesting because he is the only release that we have here on this list. But when you think about it, it made all the financial and really just all the sense in the world. Floyd was due that $13.2 million this season, which would have been the third highest mark on the team behind Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson. Yeah, obviously he was not worth that money at all. And for the Bears to suck up their pride and cut their losses, that was huge because saving that $13.2 million, they're able to bring in Robert Quinn, who had the same amount of sacks in 2019 that Leonard Floyd had in the previous three seasons combined. And if you want to look at some of this money, uh, you can look at Floyd's money saved, technically bought uh, either Quinn, Jimmy Graham, or Fetty. Or if you want to look at it another way, in a way that I like to look at it, that $13.2 million technically paid for Robert Quinn, Nick Foles, Jermaine Effetti, Tashawn Gibson, and Ted Ginn Jr. So to let Leonard Floyd go to bring in 
that amount of veterans and that experience here to the Bears, to me, uh, was awesome to see where it would go and how it kind of worked out for the Bears. And obviously, the Bears are improving from Floyd as well on the field. But Nick, how about you? Why was releasing Leonard Floyd in your top 10? I mean, the big thing here, Will, is it allowed for Robert Quinn to be on the team, right? And you just kind of went through the money uh, situation, what it allowed the Bears to actually do more than just get Robert Quinn. But now, also with releasing Leonard Floyd, you get more of a pass rush, right, with Robert the Robert Quinn upgrade. And yes, Leonard Floyd was versatile, could drop back in coverage, contain the run, but he was never worth moving up to draft him at the number nine overall pick in 2016. And the big thing here is that the Bears didn't commit to him long term. Whether it was on a one-year deal or restructuring his contract, they could have kept Leonard Floyd for, what, two to three more years. So you're kind of hoping and still hoping that maybe Leonard Floyd would have developed to be the pass rusher that he, he really just isn't at this point in time. So you get the upgrade with Robert Quinn, who is a proven pass rusher. So that's the big thing. That's why... This move is important for the Bears to make to just get that defense looking more like the 2018 version, which, again, it's still going to be tough even with Robert Quinn here because of how how ferocious and just dynamic it was at throughout the course of the 2018 season. But it gives you a better chance now that Leonard Floyd isn't part of the equation because he really wasn't the biggest contributor unless he was, of course, playing the Green Bay Packers. That's when that's when Leonard Floyd showed up. So we're hoping Bears fans are hoping, the Bears are hoping that Robert Quinn can now be the pass rusher that they really envisioned Leonard Floyd would be when they drafted him at number nine overall in 2016. I have a feeling, spoiler alert, maybe that we will hear Robert Quinn's voice, or not his voice, his name, I should say, later on here in the show. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. But moving on to number four. And that's going to be the Chicago Bears drafting cornerback Jalen Johnson. Obviously, I've been high in this one. Uh, he was in my mock draft heading into uh, the actual draft here this past offseason. And this move was actually ranked second on my top 10 to show you apparently how much Nick was able to manipulate some of these numbers here. But obviously, this is a really good move. I think the Bears got a potential steal in Jalen Johnson, who I believe will be an instant starter with the potential to turn into a stud here in Chicago. A great press corner, has all the physical and mental gifts needed to be an impactful corner in this league. Obviously, he's also a great leader. Nick, you got some really good insight from his coach at Utah as well, how he doesn't shy away from any competition and just who he is off the field and how he approaches the game of football as well. And obviously, since the Bears released Prince of Mukamara, uh, there were several contingency plans that were brought in, uh, like Trey Roberson from the CFL, as well as Artie Burns, who former first-round pick who flamed out. But by and large, Jalen Johnson is plan A. None of the other cornerbacks that were really vying for this spot was a clear-cut answer at the position, but Johnson is. This pick was just huge. Johnson's able to step in, contribute right out of the gate. Uh, I know if the cards fall right, he can have that type of career that we all know he has the potential for. He can be a starter for this defense for a very long time and become a face and a leader of this defense when it's really all said and done. And you're already starting to hear some of the hype. I've seen uh, reports and articles that Johnson is really primed to become defensive rookie of the year. When you're on a defense like the Chicago Bears with the mentality that Johnson has as well as his skill set, it's easy to see why. But number four, Jalen Johnson. 
Nick, your thoughts? Yeah, Jalen Johnson, I think, um, is going to be a stud on this defense. He has all the intangibles, the the mindset that you want out of a corner, and we know he's going to be testing his rookie season. And he's he's up for it. He's gone against. I tracked down how many players he's actually gone against that were drafted and also signed as undrafted free agents. Jalen Johnson has faced eleven players that are now going to be in the NFL that are on NFL teams at this moment in time. And out of all those 11 players, the total number of receptions for all those guys is 41 receptions, 574 yards, and only two touchdowns. And that's out of 11 guys, two where there's one one first-round pick, there's two second-round draft picks, there's a couple six-round draft picks, and then there's six undrafted free agents. But that's Jalen Johnson for you. And that's not to say that he went up against these guys every single snap, but that's what those receivers did in those games that they played that Utah defense and Jalen Johnson. So he's a guy that's up for the task of guarding the number one wide receiver. Now he might not do that in his rookie season, just again, according to how offenses are going to play him, but you know, he's going to be ready. And I think the big thing here, yes, will mention that the bears could have used a Trey Roberson, Kevin Tolliver, Artie Burns, their options but Jalen Johnson's a far better option. You feel a lot more comfortable if this is maybe labeled as the weak point on the Bears defense. I think everybody would take that because Jalen Johnson by no means is a weak point. He's going to be a great player for the Bears and tag it along with a more productive pass rush. Jalen Johnson's going to get a hand on a few interceptions this season. Just make plays just like what he did at Utah. He has a great secondary to kind of learn from as well, especially Kyle Fuller being on the opposite side and obviously Eddie Jackson in the back there, but very confident that Jalen Johnson is going to have a really good career in Chicago. I just feel like we're going to get, you know, five, six years down the road and, you know, Kyle Fuller will be just handing over the torch to Johnson as like the number one cornerback here in Chicago. And, Obviously, I hope there's a lot of success between now and then, but I do believe Johnson, he's going to be a Chicago Bear, hopefully for life. It's rare when that happens, but whenever you can draft someone on defense who's as good as he can be with that potential add position uh, at corner where you can have longer careers, uh, that's okay. Kyle Fuller being here as long as he has as well. It'd be awesome if we can have another long-term guy in Jalen Johnson. All right, Nick, moving on to number three, and that's going to be the Bears hiring Juan Castillo to be their offensive line coach. And, of course, he's also assisting with the running game coordination. So, Nick, I know you were telling me before we went live you really wanted to put Juan Castillo as your number one. You didn't end up doing that, but you were very close. So I have to let you kick it off. Why was this such a home run hit for the Bears? And this is the only coach that made our list. You know what? I don't know. Well, at this point in time, I don't know if it's a home run hit, but it's one of the most important ones because the Bears didn't do really anything to change up this offensive line. We were talking about that with the Jermaine Effetti where he landed on our on our ranking here. But Juan Castillo is arguably the most important person right now for the Bears because of what the Bears have up front and what he's going to be asked to do, which is really try to get the best out of each one of these guys. I mean, this was a offensive line last year that was, for lack of better words, just horrendous. According to a tweet from Bleacher Nation Bears, the Bears' offensive line was charted with 124 blown blocks last season by Sports Info Solutions and ranked 28th and 29th in adjusted line yards the past two seasons. Adjusted line yards takes into account a bunch of different variables, but it determines how much responsibility really falls on the offensive line. 
bottom line, you want to be on the other end of that that ranking there, not 28th and 29th respectively. You want to be towards the top. So it's being the same offensive line with Charles Leno Jr., James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, most likely Jermaine Effetti, and then Bobby Massey. There's a lot of faith in Juan Castillo being the guy to drastically improve this unit. And obviously with the offensive line, this affects whoever's playing at quarterback. If it is Nick Foles, he's not a mobile mobile QB. He needs a clean pocket. Maybe he gets a ball out quick. But there's going to be times in a game where there's going to be deeper plays down the field. You need time to block. You need a good offensive line to execute. That's where Juan Castillo and his coaching comes in. And the Bears need their third-round draft pick in David Montgomery, who they moved up to get to have a substantially better season than the 3.7 yards per average that he had last year. So Juan Castillo is so important to this season having success, this offense getting better, and I just can't undervalue what he is going to mean. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. The Bears just had a good you know, offensive line coach in Harry Heastand. He couldn't do it. Now you bring in Juan Castillo, who has a lot of familiarity with the offense, with with the type of scheme, but we got to see if he's able to put it all together. So I just think it's a very important move to really this offense can take steps in the right direction. Yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, it something had to be done. You mentioned all those terrible rankings, and I mentioned too when they hired Castillo that the Bears were 27th in rush yards last year, 29th in yards per attempt, and 28th in rushing touchdowns as well last season. We need to find a way to at least get that into the top half of the league if we want this offense to be as effective as we believe, A, it can be, and B, as it needs to be in order to, for this team to live up to its potential. But with Castillo and his 24 years of NFL coaching experience, I know a lot of people in the chat are talking about this too with uh, Harry Heastan having a lot of college experience as well as uh, Mark Helfrich coming from that college background. Maybe that just didn't translate to the pro level. And that's why you bring in a guy in Juan Castillo who's been in the NFL for nearly a quarter of a decade. And obviously, when you look at his track record, it's pretty established. And his last gig, he was the running game coordinator and offensive line coach in Buffalo. And those two seasons in that role, the Bills ranked sixth in the NFL in rushing and then fifth the following year. So hopefully, he can use that to help this Bears offense get back on track. And Nick, you talked about it. This is a unit that technically returned returned all five starters from 2018 to 2019. But for some reason, they took a ton of steps backward and the bears need to find a way to stop that and get them back on track to 2018 at a minimum and ideally a step above where they were that season as well and i know with everything we've heard about juan casillo when matt Nagy told us at the combine he just brings that vigor to the offensive line he's going to bring an attitude uh, that work ethic that's really going to instill hopefully some tremendous values in these offensive linemen to really get them playing at a higher level but it had to happen. The Bears needed to bring in someone, and I do believe that Juan Castillo was a hell of a hire, and I'm excited to see how it all pans out for the Bears, and hopefully it works out as well as we're ranking it here as number three. All right, so we're going to move on to number two, and then, of course, number one. I told you, I'm transparent. When Nick and I did these rankings, number two and number one did come in at an exact tie. So I flipped a coin, and this is the order that the coin gave us. And just bear with me here, because at number two, it is the Chicago Bears signing Robert Quinn. 
who is my number one ranked person on or move of the offseason on my list. And I don't know how much we need to even go in depth. I almost just say Robert Quinn's name is explanation enough. We already talked about him a little bit when it came to Leonard Floyd, but Compared to Floyd, we should see some production when it comes to more pressures and sacks. Uh, when you look at Quinn, he had 11 and a half sacks, 22 quarterback hits a year ago to go over 50 pressures, which was the fourth most in the NFL, as well as quarterback hits on 10% of his rushes a year ago. We already talked about him in great length on a podcast, how he's a speed first type of rusher, but he also has the ability to turn that speed into power. But just by and large, he's just a better player than Leonard Floyd for less than half of the overall cost. And just gets Cleo Mack that outside of linebacker two, that's opposite of him, really needed to make this defense dangerous. And it's going to make everyone's job and the secondary so much easier. The pass rush should come back. The secondary's job should get easier. Hopefully that helps turnovers go up to the number where we saw in 2018. But just a huge boost for the defense, and obviously he's just a Robin to Khalil Mack's Batman. Maybe there's a better analogy there, but that's what I put down in my notes. Nick, you're the superhero guru, so maybe there's a better one out there. Uh, there probably is, but I'm definitely not thinking about it right now. But I will kind of talk about a little bit on Robert Quinn. Nothing, I mean, everything that you said, well, but I think the biggest thing here with having a better pass rush is that secondary really getting back to the form that we saw it in in 2018. Last season, in 2019, the Bears had 10 interceptions. That was the eighth least amount in the NFL. Go back a season prior, 2018, 27 interceptions. And they were third in the league in sacks. There's a correlation between the number of pass rush, or the pass rush, the sacks, the pressures, and the amount of interceptions that this Bears team is getting. And obviously, when he took out the pass rush from the Bears last season, the turnovers went down. The interceptions went down. So, to give these quarterbacks something else to think about other than Khalil Mack, that's going to be huge for this Bears defense. And when you have a, a guys like Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Deshaun Gibson, if you're giving them more opportunities, those guys are going to be opportunistic and take those chances, take those risks to really get those interceptions. And Robert Quinn is fundamental in making that happen. So nothing that you haven't said, Will, but he is key for this Bears defense to, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, get back just a little bit closer to that 2018 version. All right. I wonder if anyone can figure out what move number one will be just by process of elimination. And I'll be fair, and I'll say it wasn't my number one. It wasn't my number two. This one came in my personal rank number three. Um, but collectively, our number one move of the Chicago Bears offseason was the trade for Nick Foles. And Nick, since this was your number one, you have to kick it off. I have to kick it off, and I'm just typing in the chat here. But I think this is such an important move for the Bears because, look, they they need to bring in somebody, a quarterback with experience. And they did that with Nick Foles, who has won a Super Bowl and did that against arguably the greatest uh, quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. But he knows Matt Nagy. He knows Bill Lazor. He knows John D. Flip. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, you're not worrying about teaching the offense. You're more like becoming, it's become reacquainted with it again. And they just had to get somebody that can compete with Trubisky. Look, 2019, I think, shook the Bears' confidence, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and Mitch. Well aware, I'm look, and obviously I'm well aware that the offense was a disaster, but Trubisky didn't do anything to help himself, to help this offense. So you need to bring in some kind of quarterback that knows the system, that can push Mitch. And when you look at what they paid to get Nick Foles, maybe initially the contract was bad, but he compensated and restructured that. It's not nearly as bad as it looked. It's only a $5.33 million cap hit this season, and he trade a fourth-round draft pick for a starter. You, you can't say that you could do that Many other places where you're going to say a quarterback in the fourth round is going to be your projected starter. That doesn't happen. So you get Nick Foles to be that guy. And let's say, and I'm not saying that Mitch won't start week one, but I'm kind of leaning towards that way. If Nick Foles doesn't start, you have a great mentor in Nick Foles. That's what he's been known for, just being having that mentor role. So there's so many things to like about the Nick Foles move. Now, will he be a good quarterback for the Bears and be able to, you know, lead this offense? I don't know yet. We got to see how this all pans out. But you can at least see why the Bears made this move, why it was an important move. Because if you don't have the quarterback position right, you you don't you can't have a successful season. It really that's how much is reliant on the quarterback position. And look, the Bears didn't draft one, didn't draft a QB. Chase Daniels now in Detroit. They had nobody else. Not unless for all those people in the preseason whining for the Tyler Bray show to happen. I guess it could. He's still on the roster, right? But it's not going to happen because now Nick Foles is here. And that's why I just think all, everything I said, that's why it was the number one move for the Bears offseason. Yeah. I mean, you hit on almost every point that I have here in my notes as well. I think the really the big one is with it being a different type of offseason just due to COVID-19 where you can't have the traditional practices uh, in meetings and camps, it's almost impossible to bring in another quarterback that doesn't know this system. Uh, it's because they can. It's one thing to conceptualize it, uh, see it in a playbook, understand what you need to do. But then when you're on the field, it's an entirely different animal. And for Nick Foles, I know Matt Nagy said last week it's uh, the system's like riding a bike for Foles. Foles is able to pick it up easily. And I do think if uh, obviously everything's going to be more condensed and shortened, and they may not even get onto the field until training camp. If training camp's even going to be on schedule, we don't even know that right now. But whenever the Bears get back on the field, Foles is out of all the other options the Bears had is the one quarterback that can probably hit the ground running, uh, whereas everyone else would have been behind. So this gives Mitch a true test, a true open competition that he needs. And I talked about this in my uh, single podcast when I changed my mind on the Nick Foles trade after a very brash rash oh, an instant reaction that I had but even if Mitch wins this job it's going to be due to the fact that Mitch improved his game he grasps the offense to a degree that's going to make him a better quarterback and then if Foles wins then the Bears are obviously going to have a better quarterback than Mitch so really it's a win-win situation for this football team no matter who ends up winning and that's why bringing in Nick Foles is a really strong move and that's why it was Nick's number one move, but collectively our number one as well, thanks to the power of the coin that it was. 
All right, Nick, any final thoughts on our rankings? I know we went through the top 10. Uh, there were a few that were pretty close to making our top 10, like uh, re-signing Dion Bush and releasing Prince Amukamara. Those could be some perhaps honorable mentions just to quickly just mention right now here on the show, but they were very close to making, uh, knocking out a couple of these. But any final thoughts on our rankings overall? Yeah, I think the moves that we picked, and there were a lot of them that Ryan Pace and this Bears organization did over the course of this offseason, but I think the ones that we picked were the most impactful for for this season. I've And some just long-term, like the Cole Komet pick, obviously Jalen Johnson being a part of that as well, but these these moves that the Bears made are going to determine whether or not the Bears are able to get back on track for the 2020 season. And like you said, Will, there are some honorable mentions but they're not as impactful as the ones that we chose. So that's why I think our list is pretty good here. I'm kind of curious what fans, where fans would have ranked some of these, even in our top 10 where they would have had some of our, you know, the rankings here. Because like I said, I thought Juan Castillo arguably could have been number one. I had him at number two on my list, and obviously we didn't agree on the Jimmy Graham, uh, the move there. So where would people kind of reorganize this list? Maybe go watch back the podcast, see where we had them, and then make a list of your own and, you know, let us know where you had things. But we have a good list here. It's very impactful for the Bears 2020 season. Absolutely. Like Nick said, if you're here in the comments right now live, and feel free to throw in your order here as well. And if you're watching to the show uh, after the fact, again, we'll be checking these comment sections too. And if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, I really want to share with the guys, you know, my personal top 10, you can find us on Twitter. Feel free to tweet it to us, send us a message. Uh, same thing over on Facebook. And worst case scenario, uh, send me an email, will at chicagoaudible.com. I can forward it over to Nick, but don't worry. I don't need to shout out multiple email addresses right there on a podcast. Will at chicagoaudible.com, I think is pretty clear, though. But all right, that's going to do it, Bears fans. I hope that you enjoyed this week's show. We'll be back soon as it's about that time to kick off our annual Countdown to Camp series where we break down a position group per week as we work our way through the summer and into training camp. Please make sure to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. We're only 11 reviews away from sending one lucky listener a free Chicago Bears jersey. And like Nick said, if you want to shout out on our show, make sure to hit us up in Venmo or PayPal. Real quickly, I saw one come through my phone as I have PayPal linked over here. Uh, Cliff Victoria, who's always in our live chat each and every show, uh, just saw that you sent $10. So you're going to get a shout out today. And I'll put a note here that I will give you another shout out here in our next episode. But Cliff, it's always great seeing you active in our chat. Love all the comments that you bring, all the commentary that you do to help our chat be as lively as it is. So I just want to thank you for uh, having that come in A, so quickly and B, for your support. Uh, I know you've been around for quite some time now, and I know I appreciate it. I'm sure, Nick, you do as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Cliff. Anything else that you want to make sure people know yet again? I did see here in the chat that sometimes for Venmo, you need the last four of your phone number. So you might want to let people know what that is or check your Venmo settings. Okay, so last four, six, four, two, five. And kind of funny, it spells Nick. And I've had that number since I got a cell phone. It was kind of weird that it worked out. But you can also just, again, one last time for Ven for Venmo, the username, the Chicago Audible, then PayPal, Chicago Audible dot com slash paypal excellent well i'm excited for countdown to camp to start nick i know it really does help us get prepared for training camp get through the summer probably more importantly and it feels like you know every time we start countdown to camp here in late may feels like it's eight it's too early to start that series 
but literally we blink and next thing you know, it, we're heading over to the training camp. So it's going to be here before you know it. So we'll be back next week with that. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.